You're listening to Taxpayers Australia's News and Insights podcast, Tax Wrap. Hello, listeners. Welcome to Tax Wrap podcast, episode 144. I'm Steve Burnham with a bit of a croaky throat. I apologise. Joined by David Ebden. Hi, David. Also with a croaky throat. Yes, you're coming down <laughs> with the same lurgy. I'm sorry about that. Um, it's <clears throat> perhaps that time of year, but anyway. David, you were mentioning that there's been some new legislation tabled um, in Canberra, uh, something that we was mentioned, I think, you said in the last federal budget, but it's finally made it into... Yes, it's finally made it into uh, Parliament, along with uh, a few other bills. Uh, so this one is to deal with uh, rental properties. OK. Uh, and there's three main parts to it, or schedules, if you will. Uh, the first schedule is uh, travel related to use of residential premises. OK, so, uh, so if a landlord travels to inspect a, a yeah, property... Yeah, correct, yeah, if you claim... own a rental property... Um, right. Yeah, travel to and from that rental property is uh, now no longer deductible. Oh, right. So um, the the definition of uh, rental properties, you know, is very broad and uh, may include commercial residential premises, hotels and uh, boarding houses. Okay, so is this just for individuals or does it apply to, to companies that run? Uh, there are a few exemptions to the rule. There are five excluded classes of entities. Okay. Uh, the first being a corporate tax entity, so okay, a so company. Or, yep. uh, secondly, a superannuation plan, but not a self-managed super fund. Uh, really? So, yeah, it's okay. just, the, uh, just the big boys. Right. Uh, a public unit trust, a managed investment trust, right. or a partnership or unit trust if all of the members of the partnership or trust are entities included on the uh, list, i.e., a partnership of companies, right. a partnership of public unit trusts, okay. etc. So it kind of limits it to investors, individual investors, it seems. Um, Which is not necessarily. No. Um, the, the amendments do principally affect owners of these rental properties. Okay. However, um, it also affects entities that do not have the legal ownership. Uh, in the property, but have the right to use the property to produce income from the use of the residential premises as residential accommodation. So uh, an example would be um, a sublease. A okay. sublease. So yep. if you're sub owner sublease, yep. Um, yep, you can't claim these deductions. Well, that's going to be a, a kick in the guts for a lot of uh, investors and uh, landlords, etc. But sure. Uh, so oh, I don't know how much would it total up the uh, travel costs, but still. Any deduction that you lose is a, uh, from from this financial year? Or if it comes in, it will be from the um, 1st of July 2017. Ah, right. So, um, yep, and again, travel expenditure would be uh, motor vehicle expenses, taxi costs, airfares, yep. if you're inspecting your property. Now, th- this that's I think I remember that when they mentioned this in the budget, they were concerned about people rorting the system and having little holidays correct, themselves. Correct, correct. Right? That's, okay. that's part of the that's part, uh, okay. thinking behind this. There was something else you were pointing out to me before in the legislation, <coughs> in, in the same paper. Yep, yep, correct. Have uh, we have Schedule 2 and Schedule 3. Um, schedule 2 deals with um, limiting the depreciation, um, limited depreciation deductions for um, the fixed assets within the uh, rental property. Limiting depreciation of assets, what, what does that mean? Is it uh, things like washing machines? and? Yeah, correct. Okay. It, 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 um, as, as the name implies, it reduces the amount that can be deducted by an entity for the decline in value of this depreciating asset. Right. Um, 
again, there are the same five or six entities that I mentioned before that are exempt from okay. these rules. Yep. Yep, the reduction only applies to the assets if it is used for the purpose of gaining or producing accessible income from the use of residential premises to provide accommodation for right. residential purposes. Okay, yep. Well, and what about Schedule 3? What's <coughs> contained in that? Schedule 3 is a vacancy fees for foreign owners. Oh, yeah, I remember that too. So um, there's two elements in the new law Yep. Uh, that aren't in the current law. Uh the first element would be that a vacancy fee would become payable where a residential property has been occupied for fewer than 183 days in the relevant 12-month period. Right. And following on from that, um, a foreign person must give the Commissioner of Taxation a vacancy fee return in the approved form to advise of the number of days a residential property was occupied within a 12-month period. Right. Okay. 183 days, it sounds a very similar, familiar, 183, I think that's the uh, resident for tax purposes. Exactly, yep, yep, there you go. Time frame. Yep, yeah. yep, and that's okay. half a year, isn't it? I suppose exactly. it is. So <coughs> where, this, uh, where the residential property in question is owned by a foreign person and it's not occupied by the, uh, for 183 days, yep. the foreign person is liable to pay a fee. Uh, I believe the fee is 5,500. Really? I believe it's a straight so. money figure, uh, monetary figure. That's that's what I have in front of me. Right. So if it's not rented out, it's owned by a person who's not a resident for tax purposes. Mm-hmm. They get hit with this five thousand and something fee. Correct. If it's empty. Okay. Correct. Uh, the dwelling, um, according to the schedule, is considered occupied if the property owner or the owner's relatives genuinely occupy the dwelling as a residence. Right. Uh, the dwelling is occupied under lease or licences covering a period of 30 days or more, or the dwelling is made genuinely available as a residence, for example, right. as a rental as for a 30 rental. days or more. Yep, yep. I wonder how many there are. I mean, I'm, we're speaking from Melbourne, and uh, I know that there has been talk of a lot of empty apartments yeah, sitting there, yes. owned by people in different countries. Yeah, there's a um, lot. There's a lot of them. Um, it could generate a lot of money for the government. Overseas investment. And there's um, one other bill that is uh, kind of tied in with this. Yep. It is the um, first home superannuation saver scheme. Right, yep. Uh, which you wrote an article for the uh, newsroom on, I believe. Yes, yeah, that's, <coughs> I don't know about that one a, a bit. And there's that and the tied in with that is the um, downsizing uh option, isn't correct, it? Correct, correct. Yep. So for those who don't know, the uh, First Home Superannuation Saver Scheme is, as the name implies, uh, to assist first-time buyers uh, to save for their first home. Yep. The individuals can save $15,000 a year into their super fund, uh, up to a total of uh, $30,000. Uh, but that's per person. If there's a couple, yep. uh, they each get 15 slash 30k um, providing that both partners in the couple are um, first first time buyers correct Uh, so it's um, put into your super where it's taxed concessionally yep Uh, but when you come to withdraw it to buy the house it's it is accessible income however there will be a 30 percent tax offset to uh to, to help out. So it, 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 it is a good thing because you're allowed to put money away into super and of course while it's sitting there you're earning, it increases your earnings and then Correct. when you come to buy your first uh, home it's uh, released 
Correct. Um, I believe you can only do that once, though. I mean, once yep, you've accessed that's the it, one. That's um, it. Yeah, and once you've accessed it, you've got uh, 12 months to sign for the property. Oh, okay. Um, and you must occupy it for six months out of the first year. Uh, if you don't sign, you have to recontribute the uh, the, the amount the amount back to your super fund. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or you get taxed at 20. percent Okay. So it's to stop people choice. sort of using, gaming the system as yep, or whatever. Yep. It was. No, that's a good idea. And the downsizing one is actually a. I was talking to um, <coughs> an SMSF auditor actually who um, found that <coughs> he actually admitted that uh, this sort of thing does happen a lot anyway. People downsize their homes, take the money they make from doing that, and direct it to their super as much as they can and. Um, uh, it's kind of formalising uh, a trend that's happening anyway, so I think it's a great idea. The uh, so whereas you can downsize, take that money and contribute it to your mm. to your super. The the only it's not an issue per se, but downsizers concession implies that it's uh, you must downsize your home. You you don't need to downsize. You can uh, move into a larger property. Oh right, okay. So, uh, but yeah. if you realise again. Yeah, you've you've done okay, or, or you can move into a different suburb that has valued different values, etc. Um, either way, uh, you can put more money into your super. So they, these are the pieces of legislation that have just hit the hit Canberra. Uh, yes, so they're not actually law yet, but we're expecting that to happen sometime soon. Correct. Um, if anybody wants to read more, there are the Treasury Laws Amendment um, reducing pressure on housing affordability measures. Right. Both both of those pieces of legislation. Yep. Okay. Number one and number two, okay. I believe. Right. Excellent. Okay, David, thanks very much for the information. It's all very helpful. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, listeners. Please come back next week.